0: Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always the legend, Aaron Riley. Aaron, we are back after a two-week hiatus. Uh, I apologize to listeners. I was on vacation, and some scheduling conflicts got in the way last week, but we are back just in time for the NBA to start, MLB to heat up, football to start, and NHL to get going with their playoffs. So happy to be back with you this week, talking some sports on this podcast, and looking forward to another great week of two shows.
1: Yeah, I couldn't could not be more rested, couldn't be more fresh. I got fresh legs for this one. Uh you know, hopefully the listeners didn't go and and find themselves uh you know, a rubbish replacement for what we have going on here. Um, yeah. so I you know, I'm I'm excited and I'm ready to get my feet wet in in all the topics.
0: Love that. Uh we got a lot to talk about tonight folks. Um the NBA playoffs started today. We'll get into that. Uh Hockey, obviously, the playoffs are rolling on. My Rangers are no longer in the playoffs, but we got some exciting first-round series. Uh, baseball continues to roll on with their season probably about a quarter or uh, excuse me, a third of the way done. Um, and then we obviously have some early storylines out of training camp for NFL. So let's get into today's topics, folks. And now for today's topics. All right, starting off with a little NBA talk. Um, now that the regular season is officially over. Um, The first-round series are officially uh, underway. A few games are played today. Uh, We're recording Monday the 17th, so a few games are played this afternoon and are currently going on now, Um, and then the rest of the first-round games and series will commence tomorrow. But uh, Aaron, um, we're we're just going to do a run-through of of the series here and probably touch on each one, maybe talk about a player or two, a couple storylines for each series, and then um, sort of give the listeners our take. Maybe we make predictions or kind of see where the wind takes us here. But uh, first series I'd like to touch on if if you're okay with, and I think we have some talk from uh, the sports media realm um, with this series as well. But Lakers-Blazers, we got the one seed, Los Angeles Lakers, versus the eight seed, Portland Trail Blazers. They won the playoff game um, against the Grizzlies. They were, you know, them along with the Grizzlies and the Suns were battling out for that last spot. Uh, in the West there, ultimately went to the Blazers. I don't think they're a, a typical eight seed. I think the Lakers probably would have liked to see a Grizzlies or, or maybe a Suns just to deal with some – not as ma- not as many stars. You know, you got McCollum, you got um, Dame, Dame Lillard, Dame Dalla um, back there. So uh, what, what do you think of sort of the Trail Blazers going in? And we can touch on the Lakers in a second. But um, I know you wanted to touch on some Dame beef with uh, the one and only Skip Bayless.
1: Yeah, so – yeah, to, to start out everything as far as uh, that series. It's always interesting when uh, Skip, you know, I, I commend him. He doesn't back down from a challenge, uh, that's for sure. And he doesn't back down from, from talking smack when he feels that's appropriate to do. So uh kind of just took a shot at Dame Lillard for calling him not, you know, to to keep it short and sweet. Uh didn't really call him the most clutch player, uh, you know, in the league or, or of all time or anything like that. He... Uh, calls him out and then Damian Lillard, then, um, you know, I think it was just the the next night, uh, you know, hit a shot later in the game. Uh, He put up 61 and, and after he, you know, was, uh, you know, acting pretty passionately after hitting a shot, he kind of bleeped out like uh, something, something to the word of of F you or or F the haters, that that type of thing. Um, Obviously, these players do keep up with with the mainstream media. It's kind of impossible not to, uh, you know, people surely blow up their phones and, and this and that in reference to, you know, if their name gets brought up on one of these major network shows, which obviously Undisputed is one of those. And then, you know, you got First Take as well. So um, that always interesting. I, I didn't really, uh, you don't really see that out of Damian Lillard a whole lot. He's kind of a calm, cool, collected player. Kind of goes about the game playing in his own way, but whether whether you're on Skip's side or whether you're on Damian Lillard's side, you know, it definitely was a an interesting, you know, uh, whole situation and, and how that unfolded. I think, you know, the like you alluded to, I think the Trailblazers are are a better team than than an eight seed team really by uh, by the talent level. Obviously, you got Dame Dalla, you got uh, C J, you got. Zach Collins, um, I mean Carmelo Anthony, whatever he's got left in the tank, uh, can't can't count him out completely. But uh, his playoff record is absolutely atrocious if you look at it. And you know, one of my favorite players in his prime, but he's just uh, not the not the same guy he was probably even you know five six years ago, obviously. But um, you know, I give the Trailblazers. I'm not gonna say they're gonna upset the Lakers, but Um, I really I respect the hell out of Damian Lillard. I think he's an extremely loyal player. I think he he plays very hard, Um, you know, plays till the whistle blows, that type of guy. So I I give him maybe, you know, one one game, two games, maybe at most, but um, probably the Lakers prevail. Um, You know, I'm not going to count them out. But if I'm if I'm a betting man, I'm probably going to say the Lakers get past the Blazers. But I hope and pray that the, the Blazers put up a good fight, at least.
0: Uh, it's a tough one for me. I think it'll be a good series, probably six or seven games. I don't, you know, Frank Vogel, coach of the Lakers, came out and said that the Blazers are not their typical eighth seed. They played an elite level uh, during the stretch in the bubble, at least offensively. So the Blazers are, were one and two against the Lakers during the regular season. But the last time these two teams played each other was back in January um, when Lillard scored 48 points and hit seven threes. But that was the day after Kobe Bryant or their first game after Kobe had passed away. So uh, I don't really know if you can count that game as as sort of a realistic um, barometer of how these two teams are going to match up. But, uh, you know, you have Nurkic too, who played pretty well. You mentioned Mel Nurkic in their, um, you know, playing game, if you will, had 22 points, 21 rebounds, which is insane, and six assists. And then Mel added 21 points. And then they have Gary Trent. Junior coming off the bench there to add some scoring as well. So, it'll be interesting. I don't think the Lakers have probably played their best so far. You have, obviously, LeBron played pretty well. Davis has played well. But I think beyond that, the team has struggled a little bit. Danny Green can't hit the broadside of a barn right now. So, uh, Kuzma actually has been decent. You know, he hit a last-second shot early, earlier in the bubble. So, you know, it'll be interesting. I don't think the Lakers have really showed their hand too much in the bubble. I think they've just been sort of taking it easy a little bit. Obviously, they clinched the one seed early on. But – um, I've been really impressed with Dame in the, in the Cheryl Blazers, so I would not be surprised if the Blazers uh, won the series, but I'm going to go ahead and say the Lakers, you know, take it in six, maybe seven. Um, hopefully it's it's sort of a longer series, but uh, I do think the Lakers, you know, ultimately get that one. Yo, so we'll see how that goes. They play tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, August 18th, and uh, it'll be a good series. All right, folks, from one L.A. team to the next, we've got the Clippers and the Mavericks here. Right? Two. Versus a seven. Uh, they're actually playing right now, um, as we record this on Monday the 17th. As I said, they're in the first quarter. Um, Clippers are up 26-25. So, uh, close matchup here. It's it's good to see that, obviously, in, in the first round. You don't want to see a team get blown out. Um, I don't think the Mavs are going to, you know, roll over. Obviously, you have Donjic there is, is going to be the main focal point for them. But you have some other um, some other players for that team that can, you know, put the ball ball in the net. Obviously, Porzingis has been there. Tim Hardaway is doing pretty well, which obviously is kind of a kick in the dick if you're a Knicks fan, seeing Porzingis and uh, Tim Hardaway uh, play pretty well for the Mavericks. So as, as it stands now, Porzingis has eight points. Tim Hardaway is five. And Seth Curry, the other uh, Curry brother, has six points. So, um, I, you know, it, it is a two-seven matchup. I think if, if I'm looking at the bracket objectively, I probably think that the Blazers are probably a better team than the Mavericks and might deserve to be ahead of them in the series in the in the standings. But this is kind of how it shook out. So, do you see the Mavs sort of putting up much of a fight here, or do you see Kawhi, Paul George, Lou Williams, Pat Beverly sort of taking control of the series earlier and just riding hot hands there?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think ultimately, you know, these games will probably be close through. Uh, a couple quarters, but I just think the Clippers will be too much. I mean, you can argue that the Clippers bench is, is maybe the best bench in in the playoffs. Yeah, and and in the West, um, don't 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 uh, don't sleep on my boy Joakim Noah either. Don't forget about him. But uh, way 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 far down on is the he on the team. On the, uh, he's on the Clippers, man. He's trying to oh get a ring. He's, he's ring chasing. Has to. But uh, where have I been? Uh, <laughs> apparently apparently uh you're living under a rock no no i i didn't even know that until Thank god um, until uh double checked this roster but obviously you got lou lou williams you got reggie jackson you got jeff green uh, um you know a lot of those guys just have been around the league and, and they've been in playoff situations before i think you know luca being so young uh even porzingis really not with a whole bunch of playoff experience obviously Playing in uh in the Big Apple, you're not you're not really seeing the playoffs all too often. Uh, with that New York Knicks pathetic organization, uh, and I can say that, I can say that because you know I, I am a Knicks fan. But uh, like you alluded to, I think uh Tim Hardaway was an absolute dumpster fire playing for us. I mean, it would be Wonderful one game strip. he'd put up he put up uh like you know 25, 28 points, and the next game he'd be like, "Where's that guy at? You know, I haven't seen him all night." But um. You know, more power to him if he can get things turned around uh, for the Mavericks, I guess good for him. I'm not rooting against him by any means. Uh, Just think that was a horrible situation he was a part of. So, um, you know, like I said, I think the Clippers ultimately pull away. I think, you know, this this series maybe goes six games, but I think the Clippers will definitely prevail. Um, You know, Mavericks might be a couple of years away from being – a team that I'm extremely fearful of, but you never know. Uh, they could make this a seven-game series. I just – I think the Clippers at this stage will be too much for them, and I think uh, they'll ultimately pull this one out.
0: Yeah, I, I like you, met, you mentioned the Clippers bench, and they just they just can come in waves, and it, it's honestly the difference between these two teams. Um, you know, when, when you can have Jeffrey, Harrell, Jackson, Lou Williams, Patrick Patterson, Schmett, go Joe Kim Noah on, on the bench I mean it's basically a second starting five if you, if you think about it you know the, the Mavericks are probably a player or two away from doing anything decent in the playoffs and Luke is 23 I think so he's obviously he's a superstar now and and you know you have to think he's only going to continue to get better and Porzingis obviously is is I think still ascending uh, as a player um, and, and then obviously you know you got some other guys to round out that, that roster but I I think the Clippers probably win this in a quickie. uh, As uh, as Draymond Green would say, a quickie wore that famous shirt after they beat the Cavs in the 2017 finals wore a quickie shirt in five games I think they won. So, um, you know, we'll see. I I think – I I mean, to me, I I think I'm just going to go ahead and say it's probably going to be Clippers-Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, unless something crazy would unfold. And and really this year I would not put it uh, – I wouldn't put it – as a side note, I mean, I think maybe that can happen just because obviously the the league's been flipped upside down with with everything going on, and there's no there's no real home court advantage this year. it's kind of right you know you gotta you gotta get yourself up you gotta get yourself you know ready to play and and get the adrenaline juices going so ultimately it's gonna it might come down you know with some of these teams as to who wants it more and who's gonna hustle more so uh you know if i were to if I'm a betting man I'm gonna say yeah. I see the Lakers. I see the Clippers for sure. Both Those teams, I mean, have the uh, superstar talent, but, you know, anything, anything really can go and, and that's why they play the game. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an upset or two, but, you know, I, I definitely think the, the Clippers pull this series out and, you know, I as much as I want to give the Trailblazers a shot, I'm, I'm not sure how realistic their chances are against the Lakers are, but, it, like you had alluded to, I mean, I think of the the X factors as far as Danny Green as far as uh, Kuzma. Yeah, like, if they don't show up uh, for three or four games, the Lakers might be in trouble just due to the fact that if they have to put it all on LeBron and all on, um, obviously, Anthony Davis, um, they can't expect those guys to, to drop 40 each every single right. night. So um, those other guys are going to have to contribute. So that's the only reason that series kind of interests me more, where I think just the Clippers have – you know, an abundance of talent and, and like you said, they, their bench comes in, in waves and and it's just it's one of those teams that you can stop a couple guys, but you know, there's so there's so much to defend and they have they have, they can really do it all. They can play inside the paint, they can shoot the three. It's they're they're a very dangerous team. So
0: Yeah, I'm just looking forward to J.R. Smith just raining threes on Patrick Beverly. So we'll have to wait a couple weeks for that matchup to happen. But getting to some other series in the West here you have the four or five matchup Rockets Thunder then you have the 3-6, Nuggets-Jazz. Nuggets-Jazz played today, played this afternoon. Uh, Donovan and Mitchell dropped 57 points in a loss. Talk about your back hurting. Um, and then the Rockets and uh, Thunder play Tuesday night, so we can talk about that and touch on that a little bit uh, later in the week. But uh, those are the two series in the West. And then getting over to some intriguing matchups in the East, I think, for for my money, pound for pound, the most intriguing series probably has got to be Philly-Boston. Uh, it's a 3-6 matchup with – Celtics being three, 76ers being the six, uh, and they played tonight, Uh, I believe the Celtics won, beat the final score. Celtics did win 109 to 101, Uh, so what do you you make of this series, Aaron, and um, what do you think we can expect moving forward and, uh, you know, after after tonight?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the Sixers are one of those teams that they can look, you know, unstoppable at times, and then they can... They can look very, very extremely beatable at times. Um, I think the Al Horford signing for the Sixers, he just hasn't really panned out for them uh, consistently all season long. Uh, The Sixers are one of those teams where they had, I believe, if not the best home record, like the second or third best home record in in all of the NBA. But uh, they were one of those teams, if they went on the road, uh, just couldn't seem to find their their way. at times, I think the the Sixers can play as a unit, but I think they struggle, you know, more so than than not as a unit. I think the Celtics are one of those teams. You know, obviously you you lose uh, Kyrie coming into the season, but really that's that's a win, uh, just because I think <laughs> they play they, they overall they play a lot better at, as a unit without him. And I think he kind of got in the way of all that, and, and his selfish uh, play definitely hurt their their ability to win games. I think. Kemba Walker is kind of that guy that, you know, he, he's another, to me, he, he's a poor man's like Damian Lillard in the fact that he's kind of a quiet guy. He kind of goes out there and just does his job and, and doesn't really cause havoc like Kyrie does uh, not to the point of, you know, he doesn't have that talent level, but he can give you, you know, 20, 22 points a game, uh, a couple of dimes. I mean, he had 19 tonight, 19 and five. So, I mean, you'll take that. Uh as far as uh you know Jason Tatum that' uh, he's the type of guy that can definitely go off um I don't know if if you've watched a lot of Jason Tatum but it seems like when he plays he's almost in quicks or and uh he's like walking on cement because he just looks so damn slow out there but uh, <laughs> somehow some way he definitely gets the ball up and and gets it in the gets it in the net more times than not but I, it's just watching him is like it's in slow motion I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah, I think he, you know, he's not the flashiest player. He's not the most athletic. He's not a guy who's going to like, holy shit, who's that guy? But I think he controls the game well. And if I'm a Philly fan, if I'm a Philly player, to be honest, I'm probably looking at him and be like, how the fuck do we draft Markel Fultz over this guy? Because he dropped 32 points and 13 rebounds tonight. Uh, you know, I think this, the Sixers are probably in some trouble without Ben Simmons, uh, you know, being out from – you know, after his, his knee surgery. So – They actually played pretty well uh they were leading going into the fourth quarter and then the Celtics just went on a a run there sort of late late in the fourth and and ended up pulling out with some foul shots late obviously so it was a pretty up and down game and uh the the 76ers definitely had a chance to sort of steal this one but uh you know I have to think this gives them momentum Jalen Brown played well um also and then Kevin Walker added 19 points for them um so to have that secondary and Tertiary scoring, I think, helps. You know, Kemba Walker, to me, might be the X factor. If he's going, I think the team's going. If he's not, you know, they're probably going to have to rely more on Brown and Tatum subsequently. And, you know, you mentioned Horford. He didn't really contribute much. Had a, you know, flagrant foul and shot 25% from the floor. So, um, you know, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, obviously are going to have to be pretty hot for the 76ers to have a chance. Uh, I just think ultimately without Simmons, you know, you know Boston probably can – can overmatch them and outclass uh, the Sixers. But uh, I thought that was just probably the most intriguing series for me just because of the, uh, you know, the location and, and that sort of rivalry. But we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, to to touch on that, the Ben Simmons thing, uh, this is kind of one of those rare opportunities you get to see. You know, a lot of people will make the argument the Sixers are better without Ben Simmons or, or they'll make the argument obviously they're better with him. Um, from a size perspective, you know, he always creates a problem for the other team. It's uh, being just, you know, almost like a Magic Johnson-sized uh, point guard, if you will. Uh, so I, I'm looking down the stats. It's, it's kind of interesting. Philly uh, took less shots and, and made uh, one less than Boston. So they shot 46, 46% from the field in Boston to, to Boston's 42. Uh, Philly barely shot better on threes. Uh, by percentage and then uh, Boston did uh, make more free throws than than Philly did and shot a better percentage but um they, ultimately uh, the Sixers are one of those teams where uh, they'll commit a ton of turnovers and, and that's kind of what happened you know once again tonight uh, 18 turnovers to Boston seven so that's going to kill you every time um, yeah. you can't turn the ball over you know double the other team and expect to, to pull out many games that way, unless you shoot, you know, let's say 50% from the field and, and you know, maybe four, almost 40% from three. So um, yeah, I, I think you, you summed it up quite well. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not a sports talk show where we're just going to write scripts for each other and go head to head and argue at everything. So I'm, I'm going to take, I'm definitely going to agree with you in the fact that I think Boston outclasses Philly. I think Boston, it's just more fluid, more sound, more fundamental. I think Philly uh, – at you know, Philly can play defense really well at times, and, and that's probably their strength. But ultimately, without the Simmons matchup uh, creating a problem for Boston, I think Boston's kind of going to know what's coming uh, most of the time. And and obviously, they're going to focus on Embiid a good bit of the time to, for offense. So, I'm not sure, I think. You know, maybe Philly pulls off a game or two. Once again, I'm I'm kinda being stereotypical in these predictions, but I think Philly maybe wins one or two games, but Boston definitely pulls this one out and is what I think.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, no, I I agree. I think uh, if you look at some other series here, uh Pacers heat I think is a little bit interesting. You have arguably the, the M V P outside of the bubble outside of Devin Booker and, and Dame Lurance. T J Warren from the Clip uh, from the Pacers, excuse me, he was uh, I think averaging around 30 points a game, um, just kind of a throwaway player in a trade. He was traded to the the Pacers from the Suns for cash considerations and ended up playing extremely well and um, securing that fourth seed for them. But uh, whenever they play the Heat, uh, Jimmy Butler was able to lock him up, uh, which, you know, I'm not surprised at all because Jimmy Butler is an absolute savage. So uh, Phillies will be missing him right now, but uh, I, I have to go with probably the Heat on this one, even though they are ranked. Uh, number five uh, and, and obviously Pacers are ranked four so they play on Tuesday night and we can touch on that series you know as well, as well uh, they have a, they have a nice day game though they play at 4 p.m so it's kind of cool to see different to see basketball obviously on all day long you know we had hockey obviously that you know past couple weeks has been all on all day so it's pretty, it's kind of pretty cool to to see these these uh, you know teams play throughout the day and it's good be able to consume this content um, sort of when we didn't get sports at all so it's nice to have this is overloaded, if you will. But what do you, what do you think of the Pacers and Heat matchup going into to their series?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know. In all honesty, I think both these teams are throwaways. Uh, you no, know, <laughs> this this is one of those series where it's uh, you know it might be interesting for the for the matchup for the series, but going forward, both these teams are just gonna nosedive into the you know after the next series. Uh, uh, but you know, that's why they play the game. Why not? So, you know, I think uh, as far as the uh, Miami Heat are concerned, I think obviously Jimmy Butler made that team significantly better. Um, He's one of those guys where, you know, he kind of gets on my nerves in the fact that, you know, he he seems to be one of those guys that kind of as far as, you know, uh, he's been kind of vocal in Philly for for certain things, you know, just kind of not getting along with teammates, obviously kind of forced himself out of Chicago to a certain extent. So I think on the court, Jimmy Butler's a a great player. I think he he has the ability to be a great leader as well. Uh, Really sold on, you know, uh, on him as a person or him as a uh, productive teammate or, uh, you know, encouraging teammate, if you will. But, uh, you know, not to go off on a tangent, I think, uh, you know, honestly, I think that the Heat might pull out this series I think, uh, you know, my my boy Gordon Drog- Drogic, uh can't even pronounce his name some of the time, but huh. uh, I think very underappreciated player. I I'm not trying to say he's Dwayne Wade, but, uh, you know, I think he's a solid point guard. I think he makes enough plays and, and kind of creates enough passing to where, you know, it, it makes them a little bit more exciting. Obviously, you put him with J- Jimmy Buckets, um, you know, still got Andre Iguodala, don't forget about, uh, you know, Couple couple trophies under his belt. So, um, not not super intriguing to me in the fact that I just think both these teams are um, just not really going anywhere after this. But, um, you know, I think the Heat pulled us out. And I think this game, does, this series does go to six. I think the Pacers can at least uh, rival the Heat on talent pretty much. Um, definitely have a lot of love for Victor Oladipo. I've uh, liked him since day one. But, um, yeah, that's. That's my take on. It. I think uh, you know, I'm going Heat and six.
0: Heat and six. Uh, yeah, I think uh, probably Philly's worst decision as a franchise was to not secure Jimmy Butler long term and, and to. I mean, I don't think they let him walk. Obviously, they probably tried to re-sign him. But uh, I, I think uh, say what you want about the guy, I, I think he is like an absolute dog, uh, and I think he plays hard no matter what. It's it's zero to 100 for that, for that guy. He plays one speed, and it's with toughness, it's with grit, um, and he's a hell of a basketball player. But do you think do you think Philly would be better off with him, or or do you think it was more of like a like, – do you think he was like a locker room problem? I don't really know the situation too, too well. But I, t- to me, I think I, I would take a guy like Jimmy Butler on my team 10 times out of 10 times.
1: Yeah, I think uh, – I'm trying to remember exactly – and I'm getting our uh, getting our research department on it right now, but uh, <laughs> I just remember. Uh, just uh, he was somebody labeled him as a, a locker room cancer, um, and I forget. I I can't say you know. You, you oh, kinda, Minnesota. Yeah, in Minnesota, um, but then it, it, something right. or I'm sorry. Something uh, something came out um you know when he was in Philadelphia I'm pulling up this uh I'm pulling up this this news report article uh Jimmy Butler kind of came out and said damn right I'm I'm confrontational I am confrontational I would be the first one to tell you I don't give a damn I've always been like that I haven't said it all the time I've always acted like it though if you know me and you're around me man uh you know I don't give a damn what you say because you don't know what I go through uh so do you think he gives a damn? I'm going to say that he definitely doesn't give a damn. Oh, okay. He uh, only said it 17 but, uh, times.
0: So I was curious.
1: Yeah, man. He, I think, uh, you know, if I ever see Jimmy Butler, I'll say you're extremely repetitive. I might try and say that to him. But, uh, you know,
0: <laughs> he'll be confrontational, though.
1: It's, well, it'll, regardless, it'll lead to a confrontation. But, uh, no, all, all jokes aside, I think. Uh, you know, I think what he brings to the court on obviously a defensive, on a defensive end is crucial, I think. Um, I think as far as the, the point you make, you know, should they have Sixers have let him walk? Uh, probably not. I don't know if I would have locked him up long term. I probably would have gave him like a three-year deal, see what happens. Uh, I definitely would take Jimmy Butler over Al Horford, and I think obviously yeah. they play different positions, and, they, and, they, and they're two different type of players, but. I just look at Al Horford as just taking up space at this point and, and definitely taking up, uh, you know, no, no, not trying to uh, take shots at him, but I'm going to anyway. I just think he, uh, I'm trying to make a good reference. Um, Can't really think of one off the top of my head. It's kind of like one of those those role, you know, you pick up a player and you kind of forget who he used to be because he's so bad when he comes to your team. Does that make sense? Like, you know, used to be very impactful. used to, to play up the snuff, and now he's just kind of lost it. I, I yeah, don't know. Carson
0: Wentz to... on his next team.
1: Oh, I'm damn, kidding. that's a bull. I'm kidding, uh, I'm kidding. Hey, maybe. Well, no, no, you, you bring up the perfect point. So how about, like, Nick Foles when he went to, like, uh, the Rams, for example? Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I watch a lot of different sports podcasts from here to you know, here and there. And I think some people allude to Al Horford as being one of those guys where is it the system? It probably is the system that, that why he's not being as effective. But, uh, you know, I, I just think the Sixers went too far, you know, all in on Al Horford. And that, and that was a decision from Elton Brand, uh, the former power forward and, and, you know, player for the Sixers and and NBA vet that's now their GM. So, I, you know, I just think the the Sixers definitely should have re-signed Jimmy Butler, not long term, in my in my personal opinion. I, like I said, I would have said three years is probably a, a perfect deal for him. Um, but in the same respect, uh, you know, there were reports that he aggressively challenged Coach Brett Brown uh, on his role in the offense. But at the same time, I'm not I'm not sold. On, I think Brett Brown's a, a below average coach, so yeah, you know, maybe maybe he was right in doing so. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't look at Jimmy Butler as like a Terrell Owens. I don't think he's like. No, do that I. Much a, I. don't. I think you know. Maybe he got a bad rep in in Minnesota. Um, just didn't I work think, out. I think he just
0: wants. To, I think he just wants to win, and he's going to do whatever it takes to win. Sometimes his actions obviously might be considered confrontational, and and maybe they come off as not coming from the right place. But at the end of the day, I think he just wants to win, and he wants to be in a place where they can utilize his talents and they sort of align with his mindset. I think that's why Pat Riley is a perfect guy to run an organization in which Jimmy Butler is, is employed by.
1: Yeah, I think I think you bring up a great point. I think uh, Pat Riley is a no-nonsense, no-bullshit type of, co- type of uh, you know, owner. And I think, you know, obviously it stems from the top down. I think ultimately what, what Pat Riley says goes. I don't think he lets players – dictate the way it's going to be. I think even with LeBron, he, uh, you know, definitely, you know, he took LeBron's word and, and, you know, tried to make everything work for LeBron and, and make that team a winner, obviously, and, and same thing for Dwayne Wade. But like you said, I think Pat Riley's a, a no-nonsense type of guy. It's It's kind of surprising that the Heat haven't been extremely relevant just because it seems like every – almost every year they used to be so i think they will
0: be to... soon i think i think uh pat riley not to, not to cut you off but uh right, pat, pat riley said that before he retires he wants another kick at the can he wants to make another run i do think jimmy butler is probably part of those plans i think tyler Her- hero or Her- harrow or the fuck you say it i think Bama abodeo i think those three guys you know I, i'd have to take a deep dive sort of in their roster to see you know what foundational pieces they have But i think those three are definitely a good starting point if, if they're I mean Miami is definitely a destination you saw I mean I don't, I don't have to bring up their history on guys they've gotten to play there so uh, I, I think that Jimmy Butler's a guy that players around the league probably want to play for and you know maybe not next year but I think the year after that the, the free aging class is, is pretty strong I think in two years it's going to be Giannis's term with some other big names not, I mean not to say that Giannis will go to Miami I don't think he's A big market guy but I'm sure he could he could lure a big name free agent or two and then probably have another run and then maybe go off into the sunset if they do uh so I I, this is you know not to get off on a heat tangent and and project the next two to three to four years for that franchise but I look at them as sort of a sleeper right now to, to potentially make some moves in the off seasons that are coming up to position themselves for another title run and I do think that you know, if I was running that team, I would probably want to have Jimmy Butler right there in the mix sort of being the face of the franchise or, or maybe just being as a nice secondary option, depending on how he progresses or and depending on who they actually get to, to come play alongside him.
1: No, I think I definitely think you have a good point. I think uh Miami's one of those teams where, you know, they, they might have a downturn for a couple of years, but even if you look at the record this year, they weren't a slouch by any means. Um, so I think what fourteen, fifteen games over five hundred. Um, so yeah, I think uh, they're definitely in the in the realm of possibilities for free agents. I mean, Miami's one of those places that you know if you ever talk to people about Miami, they always get wide eyed. Like that's that's a place you want to see. <laughs> so um, that's always going to bring uh, free agents there. I think you know maybe Giannis takes his talents there eventually. I think that's a good point. Um, and, you know, maybe they do build some type of uh, franchise as far as a, a dynasty eventually again, because, uh, you know, because of obviously the established owner who's won multiple championships and, and you know, it's one of those places where, you know, it's not a Milwaukee, it's not a in the middle of nowhere uh, market by any means. It's the exact opposite of that.
0: Yeah, no, I think that was, uh, that was some good talk. I mean, listeners, not to get off on a heat tangent, but that's... Uh sort of where our brains go, but just to update you on on the current sort of scores, Uh, we mentioned the Nuggets beat the Jazz today, the Raptors beat the Nets to take a one-zero series lead, the Celtics beat the 76ers, and the Mavericks are currently up on the Clippers, and then we have four games again tomorrow, and and we'll certainly be back this week to, to talk about the first, you know, one or two games for each of these teams, each of these series, and then you know, next week we might be talking about some second-round matchups, depending on how these go. So, that's the NBA. It's exciting that we're finally here. It felt like fucking forever that the regular season lasted on. But uh, any other thoughts on the bubble? I know, you You know, we were talking off air. You sort of mentioned the viewing experience, how it's a little bit different. But, uh, you know, it, it does feel like it's, it's starting to get back to normal. But uh, it does definitely feel like a little eerie and a little weird um, since, it, you know, they are not playing with fans.
1: Yeah, I think – for me personally, I mean, I've, I've talked to, you know, multiple people about, you know, the playoffs and the whole situation from a, from an outsider's point of view. I, I I just, for me, I can't fully get as excited or, or even maybe I should say half as excited as, as normal. I don't know. I You know, as far as the, the no crowd factor, I just think that plays a huge role. And then I talked to Dan about this off air. It almost, uh, we have a huge... Uh, fitness facility near near where we live here in in central Pennsylvania called Spooky Nook and if you if you turn on these games it almost looks like they're playing in a Spooky Nook type of facility um you know not to to take away from the game ultimately it's about the game but uh when you're used to the the crowd going crazy you know when team hits a a big three down the stretch and things like that it's just I don't know man it feels like it kind of feels like the whole NFL draft all over again with all the Virtual fans and the you know digitalized uh, you know crowd that type of thing. It just I don't know, man. It's it's hard for me to get used to. It's hard for me to adapt to. And I don't know. It's just obviously I want to see competitive series, but it, it's a whole different feel. And obviously it's something that, that everybody's got to you know it has to embrace to a certain extent. But um, it just doesn't feel even remotely the same to me. So uh, that that's just how I feel about it going forward here.
0: No, it's well said. Uh, it's, it's definitely something to, to make a note. You know, it, you know, as a country, we're not back to normal yet, so we can't expect everything to be back to normal and be the same way before the pandemic began. But let's get into some baseball talk here. Let's liven let's it up a little bit. Uh, talk about some standings, and I know you've been paying attention to, to some baseball things specifically going on. So why don't we just hit some notes around the league and give throw out a few teams, give me a few names, maybe a few guys, maybe a few uh, organizations you're excited about as we uh, sort of enter the second third of, of the MLB season here.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, uh, you know, shout out to, to your boy Daniel Kurtz for, uh, cho- you know, cheering for one of the easiest baseball teams to cheer for, the Yankees. No, <laughs> no, no, no. No, all due respect, obviously, they're, they're off to a, a pretty hot start, 15-6. and six. I mean, No, come at him. I want you to come at him. <laughs> there, there's not much i can there's not much i can say you know what's really interesting though and i don't know i'm on a tangent but uh you know the phillies and yankees i think they split they split their series i believe um, you so know, yeah i think this was over a week ago now not, not that it's a by no means is that a storyline um but phillies are, are pretty atrocious so far and it's kind of strange that they were able to pull two games out of the yankees somehow some way but um you know regardless of that um, you know, you're looking at the Yankees, 15 and six. Uh, twins, 14 and eight. They were actually pretty damn good last year too. So right. it doesn't shock me. Um, but uh, Athletics, absolutely on fire, 16 and six. Um, eight and two the last ten. Uh, one of the hottest teams in baseball. And then you kind of jump over the National League. Uh, the, the Almighty NL East is. You know, you got the Marlins at nine and six. You got the Braves at thirteen and ten, uh, and then it just kind of falls apart from there. Nationals just haven't really found their way yet. I don't know if they will. Uh, what's kind of interesting is they they weren't the hottest team last year, until you know, given the last month, month and a half. So um, maybe they'll they'll do something similar. Um, Astros, uh, obviously, a, a, an interesting storyline. Uh, not to jump back to the American League, but obviously have to bring them up because of you know uh being the team that you know what was uh basically caught in a cheating scandal um you know with stealing signs especially in their home ballpark where they were hitting considerably better than than they were on the road they, they have not performed like a a world series champ by any means uh 11 and 10 is their record um then you you jump to the, to the central you got the cubs at 13 and 7 which I'm kind of surprised about. I'm not going to lie. Um, who knows if they can keep it up? Uh, what's What's extremely interesting is the Cardinals have only played nine games. Right. Uh, so you know you can't count them out just due to the fact that they haven't played as many games. So so the, don't think-
0: that's yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought them up. Uh, they have to make up all these games, right? For for those of you who don't know, they they sort of. I've had a crazy two weeks since we last recorded. But similar to the Marlins, a bunch of their players uh, contracted coronavirus, obviously. And they had quarantined. They were on the road in Milwaukee. I think they had to stay in a hotel in Milwaukee and quarantine for about two weeks and haven't played in a while. I think they are back to playing. They're playing tonight, I think, I believe right now as we record this podcast. But they've only played nine games. You know, to, to reference the Cubs again, they've played 20. The Brewers have played 20. Every other team in their division has played 20 games. They've played less than half of that. So as it is, you, you, you probably are playing every day, maybe every other day once in a while. So are they just going to end up having to play double headers like every day and risk injury after, you know, most of the players in the organization tested positive? How, how do you think they go about making up these games?
1: Yeah, well, uh, from the league, well, the way they're, they're going about it, um, they are doing a lot of these double headers and, and things of that nature. I know, um, you know, that's what they're doing today. They actually played, already played once today uh, against their their rival, the Chicago Cubs. And then now this is game game two. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's really the only way to, to go about it in this extremely shortened and modified, obviously schedule. Um, but it's it's you know, as of as of late, it seems like it started to to at least become a little bit more normalized as far as, you know, a lot of the games aren't getting postponed, you know, in the last couple of days, uh, you know, at least in, in that respect. But, um, you know, the, the, it is going to create scheduling conflicts. It is going to bring, you know, a lot of double headers to, the, to their schedules. And, and like you said, I mean, that, that is definitely risking injury. Uh, you know, how many pitchers are you going to go through in, in one day? And then, you know, let's say they play the next day, you know, in a in a shortened season to begin with, where these guys didn't get a, a long spring training or, or really much of a spring training, I should say at all. Um, I don't know, and I, it's it's definitely tricky. It's hopefully a situation where it doesn't end up in in catastrophic injuries and, and things like that. But um, yeah, it's just the situation that that's really at the forefront it is is coronavirus and it is the fact that. They've had the rescheduled games, and obviously the Marlins have have suffered from that as well, um, more than more than most of the teams. So,
0: yeah, no, I think it's uh, you know it's something to monitor, and hopefully these players can start to tighten it up and be smarter. You look at a team like the Cleveland Indians; they two guys who left the team hotel. I forget which city they were exactly playing at the time, but they left the hotel. I think you know late night to go to a casino. Um one guy had had be reportedly been seen and tried to sneak in a female and then another pitcher um tried to sneak back into the hotel but uh you know they broke uh, protocol and had to then be quarantined and um uh, were suspended by the team i believe and one of the guys you know mike Clevenger, he's a pitcher uh pretty good we're probably one of the best young pitchers in the m l b um but you know if, if they don't play enough games this year they um won't be cons. they they won't um you know have their contracts toll for for the next year so he's potentially losing out on his first year of free agency all because he wanted to go out and you know have a good night in the town and and uh, you know risk getting the coronavirus because he just wanted to have some fun for a night so I think if we continue to see some some situations like that baseball's in trouble but uh, for the most part these teams seem to be um, doing what they're supposed to do and following the protocols that are put in place for a reason Uh, so it's kind of tough to see that happening uh, but hopefully these teams can, can button it up as I said.
1: Give me a uh, a real quick let's let's just let's be bold here. What who uh is it is it still the Yankees to you that wins this World Series? I mean now we're what well, we're a little over 20 games in, uh third away third of the way in. Like you had said, do you still you still feeling confident in the New York Yankees?
0: Yes. Uh the offense absolutely as it stands now, they've scored the Third most runs in the league. Um, They're nine and one at home, six and five on the road. Obviously, you'd like to see them, you know, bump it up there on the road. You got a guy like Garrett Cole who's pitching lights out. I don't think he has a loss yet. He's a couple of no decisions, but doesn't have a loss yet. Cause for concern here. Judge and Stan are both hurt. I know that's a shocker. Uh, Judge had a calf strain. Uh, This information is courtesy of my girlfriend, who's a giant Yankees fan. So don't uh, give it uh, credit for. um, to the research department, but uh, judge had a calf strain. He was on the 10-day IL. He can pretty much come back at the any time. They just put him on the the IL for precautionary reasons. Um, DJ LeMahieu is hurt as well, which he's he's hitting over 400, so obviously a big blow, but every time someone goes down, it seems to me that they have some people uh, show up. Quentin Frazier came into lineup, his hit two home runs, had five RBIs in a game the other night. Mike Ford came into the lineup to play first base, hit two home runs, so Whenever, whenever someone goes down, they seem to have someone come in and, and uh, you know, play pretty well. I think the only cause for concern besides the injuries, you know, hopefully they can get healthier in the next few days, but uh, it's definitely the pitching, I think, behind Cole. Um, you have Tanaka, who, who's pretty good, but Paxton has been pretty up and down this season. Hap just had a good start, but has been mostly up and down. Montgomery, obviously, coming off Tommy John last year as, as sort of the fifth starter. You don't really know what you're getting with him, but... If, they, if those guys can continue to improve, obviously, I don't take, you know, put too much stock in, in the first third of the season. But if they can continue to improve and put together, you know, some decent starts and certainly together some wins and hopefully get hot by playoffs, I think the Yankees are going to be a force. Uh, I definitely expect them to get to the ALCS regardless. So, it, you know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, they could probably, you know, pitch Cole every every three days, pitch Tanaka every three days, and pitch Paxton every three days and maybe throw in a bullpen game here and there and probably get their way through a few playoff series if they had to. Um, So I'm really not concerned. It's just going to be up to Aaron Boone on how he strategically puts together this lineup. And if they're all healthy, I I do expect them to to at least make some noise. But um, that's, that's my Yankees insight for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Real quick Tig. I think, um, you know, you bring up a good point. The Tanaka um, remind me of who, who, shoot definitely drew a blank there, but was, what Paxton, you got Paxton, Tanaka. Who's yeah, your, yeah.
0: Yeah. Cole, oh, Garrett,
1: home. Garrett, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I forgot about Garrett Cole, but <laughs> I still, I guess I'm still in shock that they, they signed him and they stole him away from the Astros, but
0: still weird to um, see him in a Yankees uniform.
1: Yeah. Especially clean shaven, but Hey, you know, more power to him. He's making that, that bread on top of bread uh, for the Yankees. But um, yeah, I think, you know, I, Obviously, their offense is going to blow a lot of these teams out of the water as far as just top to bottom. Um, absolutely terrifying to go up against them. So I th- think he's out of a, a starting pitcher, maybe gives up two to three runs. Most of the time, that's going to result in a, in a Yankees' W just because of the, the offensive potency that they have. So I don't think they have any concerns there. Um Dodgers have been shockingly like electrically good. Um you know 16 and 7. Uh Mookie Betts looks like uh, an absolute god so far. Uh, like a, a steal, not a steal of a signing cuz obviously he's making uh, a shit ton of money, but um you know definitely contributing. They're once again, I mean, I don't I never put a lot of stock in them only cuz they they usually get to the playoffs and or even the world series and and just don't get it done. There was one of those teams that, that finds themselves on the, on the other side of the coin every single time, every single year, but um, they've been good. And I think honestly, the uh, the athletics have been extremely good. So uh, it'll be interesting. Um, You know, if I were to pick a team at the beginning of the season, I'd probably go with the Yankees and and that's kind of the, the, the cop out or the easy way out. But um, just with, you get, you know, like you alluded to Garrett Cole, uh, and then you got Tanaka, just those two, just those two alone and knowing the offense that they, that they have and then knowing the potential to score, you know, seven, eight, nine runs. Uh it's just, it's too much for a lot of these teams. So I'll be interested to see how it plays out. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of ecstatic that the Royals are three games over 500. Cause I thought maybe we'd have, you know uh, 10 wins all season. So, um, you know, uh, at least in that respect, I have something to be the slightest bit happy about.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned the Orioles, and I'm glad you did because I want to ask you about them. So, you know, the uh, top three teams in each division are going to make, or I think it's top two, and then the Orioles will be fighting for a wild card, obviously, but with Toronto being seven and 11 as it stands now in Boston, you know, absolutely stick at the joint at six and 16 do you think the the Orioles have a legitimate chance at, at making a wild card spot and, and cracking that top eight um, in, in the American League obviously 12 and 9 three games above 500 as you said only a game behind the, the the race so they're obviously nipping at their heels a little bit so do you expect them to to tail off a little bit or do you think it's uh, you know they're trending in the right
1: direction yeah so no that's a that's a great question I think um you know if you asked me this question on opening day i would have i would have said there's no way in hell they make the playoffs but um i know it's still extremely early but in the fact that it's a third of the way through this shortened season i definitely at least give them a chance only because they're they're at least hanging tough with um you know uh the rays and and realistically i mean i there's no way in hell they're catching the yankees but they're only 3 games behind them so if they can just hold their ground uh you know win win some series here and there and, and just at least keep up. I give them a chance to uh, make, you know, at least make a playoff spot or, or make possibly a, a wild card spot. So, you know, pleasantly surprised. If you look at their roster, it's it's almost like a joke in the fact that, you know, I've no, I hardly have any idea who any of these people are. Um, they're all, you know, minor, basically minor leaguers brought up or, or players they've, they've drafted in the, in the recent years. Um, they're definitely going to make full rebuild. And, and they're, I think this is one of the season that it's a perfect time to, to try out what's going to, what's going to work, throw, throw everything at the wall and see, you know, if any of these people stick, but um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see that at least they're winning ball games, and surprisingly they swept the Phillies, which Phillies aren't a, aren't a dynasty by any means this year, but, you know, it's pleasantly surprising that at least they're, they're being competitive and they're winning more games than they're losing.
0: Yeah. It's, it's something to monitor. And, uh, you know, you mentioned how they have a bunch of minor league players potentially playing for the Orioles, but it's, it's good to see they're rallying around this season and, and playing up to their potential. So I think if we get a Yankees Orioles first round matchup in the playoffs, it'd be great for our podcast and, and provide us with some good content. So it'll, it'll be interesting to monitor and, and we'll keep you up the next few weeks, but, uh, that's, a, that's some good MLB talk and uh, why don't we transition into some NFL um, I think we cap we up here with uh, not too much going on in the NFL as, as a whole obviously training camp just got just got underway this week uh, padded practices are beginning to take shape and I think all the reporters are getting their hot takes since they're you know these media guys and these football guys are, are starting to get back into practices so we're starting to get some hot takes for sure um, you know obviously on a bunch on of these teams so if you take us through Aaron the Eagles, why don't you give us a, a couple of quick notes from camp? What's the buzz around Philly looking like? And um, you know, are, are there some positional battles or some guys in the hot seat we should we should uh, look out for?
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, to not to start off the uh, the the Eagles camp news with with negative news, but I have to bring it up. Um, the Eagles did go out and get uh, Javon Hargrove, uh, defensive uh, defensive tackle from Pittsburgh uh, over the offseason uh, he did uh, basically leg injury uh, they're saying it's just a strain uh, doesn't require surgery but he will be out a few weeks uh, probably up to a month is what ESPN's Tim McManus is reporting so obviously not not the the best of news you know really any team's going to experience injuries and especially in camp, you know, there's freak things that happen every single year, but that did just come out um, today, actually. So um, not not the best of news. Hopefully he gets back and, and makes an impact on, on what should be an, an excellent defensive line when, when healthy. Um, other than that, I, they are, you know, there's a lot of buzz coming out of the camp that uh, uh, rookie wide receiver Jalen Rager is, is having a good camp, uh, you know, People are saying he looks extremely quick, uh, running the routes very well, uh, at at least picking up what they're putting down as far as uh, knowledge and, you know, playmaking ability and and the ability to learn the playbook. So I like what I hear from that. Um, There's not – I would say there's a whole lot of uh, position battles in the fact that um, I kind of knew what this roster was going to look like. Um, A couple – I know the one wide receiver we had signed from San Francisco – He had opted out for the season uh, because due to the coronavirus, which that kind of sucks. He's another uh, burner, like uh, a Deshaun Jackson-style player. So you can never have too many weapons. I think that's kind of a shame. But uh, just hoping that that Carson Wentz stays healthy um, and and really that the whole team can stay as healthy as possible. Uh, Lane Johnson just came back from having the coronavirus. And actually, Doug Peterson just came back from the coronavirus uh, just a few days ago now, as well. So um, I don't know. It, it's the what's kind of interesting is I did read this article. Uh, former linebacker Nigel Bradham, he's now a, a member of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he did win a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Um, he, you know, now now with the Saints, he he kind of came out and made the comment. Uh, it's definitely a different type of environment. Uh, it didn't feel exactly like a winning organization when I was in Philadelphia. Uh, you come to a place that's known for winning, known for being in the season. You see a different type of culture. Uh, so kind of, kind of taking a, a shot at the Eagles for I don't really know what reason. But, uh, you know, I'm sure the cultures are completely different in New Orleans than they are in, in Philly as far as uh, organization, coach, you know, how they go about things. But uh, just kind of a, not the best. A uh, thing to say, I, I'm sure the, the Eagles fans, you know, the, the diehards are going to remember that. And when he comes to play in Philly, they're going to let him have it. But uh, just interesting. I don't know. Just talking shit.
0: Uh, I, you, I, I, lo- I, like, I love some good shit talk here and there. So uh, do you want to give the, the listeners here an over-under how many games it's going to take Jalen Hurts to overtake Carson Wentz or should we wait for the next podcast?
1: <laughs> man. Man, putting Carson Wentz on a hot seat, man. Um, I'm joking.
0: I'm joking. I'm joking. But have, have, have you heard anything it, it, about Hurts? At, Hurts at all? I know he's obviously a rookie, but um, what's going on with his situation?
1: Yeah, I I, I haven't heard a whole lot out of. The, I mean, I have heard you know here and there. There's there's been talking that that he does look sharp in in camp. Um, I don't know. As far as uh they, they do, Doug Peterson does say, um that that Carson is our guy. Carson, Carson is our leader. Um, but at the same time, a lot of the, a lot of the guys seem to be hyping him up. Uh, for, for what it's worth, I mean, you got the third-string quarterback, Nick Sudfield, saying that he's excited about the player we got. Uh, Jalen's an incredible teammate and player. I think he's going to have a long, great career. Um, and, you know, what else is he going to say? Is he going to say, you know, this guy's a scrub? I, you know, you're kind of put, putting him in a corner there. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have. I, I have like no expectations for Jalen Hurts just because, I I don't know when he's gonna play. I don't know what they're playing. I mean, I I think they'll play him at quarterback. I don't think these uh these crazy wildcat formations and and things of that nature. I don't think that's really gonna be used uh for for him. I mean, there might be a package or two, but I think ultimately he's a quarterback. He'll play quarterback. But uh, I don't know. I I just want to see at least once, kid, this season. Uh, start to finish, healthy, and and give him the the chance as much as you know. Carson Wentz is you know now. I think this is going into his fifth fifth or sixth season. Um, you know, injury prone. I will say that, but um, he, I think he does deserve a chance after getting us to the playoffs with really nobody on the offensive side of the football last season down the stretch. Yeah. So I I just hope he can stay healthy. You know, uh, and that's always the hope. So we'll see. I I just I ultimately kind of feels feel bad and and Carson Wentz did come into camp uh, a little bit bigger this year Uh, for what it's worth I don't know if that that helps helps him or hurts him hopefully he can get out of the pocket still but uh Delane Johnson says that he's got that dad bod weight and I quote so I don't know if that's that's a good thing or bad thing but uh that's kind of what Brady's been rocking for a few years and you know you can't really argue with those results so Hopefully, uh, I'm just – my hope is he stays healthy this year and, and balls out. And then, you know, Jalen Hurts has to at least keep up with him, so.
0: Yeah, I love it. Always some, it's always some good Eagles talk, but uh,
1: not but, uh, too much yeah. from the
0: Jets here. We uh, – our, our receiving core situations obviously cause for concern. Our, our rookie wide receiver has a hamstring injury, and then another one of our wide receivers who was looking to get some playing time this year just went down with an ab injury. I don't know how you hurt your abs, but uh, – to get surgery and uh, he's going to be out five to eight weeks. So if you guys have a receiver uh, to spare, maybe Hertz wants to pay a receiver for us. We're uh, I'm going I'm to say right now our GM's phone's wide open. Um, so uh, please, uh, you know, let, let let us know what what goes on, and then uh, you know we'll uh, have to take some guys from you. But uh, other than that, we, you know, we have the offensive line. The Jets are going to have a completely new starting five on the offensive line. Um, So can they get the chemistry in time for the season? Probably not. Does that mean the Jets are probably going to start off 0-4, 0-5? Probably so. Um, So as a a Jets fan, I I really can't be optimistic until we see these guys hit the field and start stringing some Ws together because we've been talking about, you know, I I at least have been trying to be optimistic about the Jets for the last – Five to six to seven years, and it's really got me nowhere. So, I am a believer in Darnold, but he just, you know, they they failed time and time again to put uh, good players around him. It's not his fault, um, you know, when you have when you're throwing trash cans out there. So, we'll see what happens if uh, they they did just sign Chris Hogan, who had played uh, obviously won a couple of Super Bowls for the for the uh, Patriots, played with the Bills as well for a little bit. They just signed him, and he already knows the offense. Um, he played in Miami with Gase as well. Um, so he's actually been played, he's played for all four ACs teams, um, which is kind of funny, but, uh, so they signed him as just some insurance, probably another camp body, maybe they will add another veteran or two. So, uh, pretty ho-hum, not, not much to do about nothing, uh, with the Jets there, but, uh, um, that's tonight's podcast, folks. We, we appreciate you uh, tuning in here. It's, it's good to be back and, and talk some sports. It's good to be talking about you know the NBA playoff brackets. It's good to be talking about the MLB standings. And uh, once uh, the NFL season starts in a couple of weeks, we can get back to shit-talking Derek Carr um, and the rest of the NFL. So uh, we appreciate it as always. And Aaron, why don't you take us home?
1: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep you up to speed on you know if our podcast will go – um, in in a different format, as far as uh, you know, being transitioned in the video, which that's the hope. Uh, you know, we're appreciative of, of the fans we do have and, and of the listeners. Uh, obviously, just you know, life does happen, and unfortunately, the last couple of weeks we just had a lot going on. But uh, plan to come at you twice a week this week, and, and we'll go from there. And look forward to all the playoff situations. And uh, like like Dan alluded to, I'm, I'm excited for football to start and hopefully uh, be able to continue throughout the season I think so